Hi, and welcome to That Podcast, episode 17. I'm Dave. And I'm Bo. And you start talking today, Bo. <laughs> All right. Um, well, we don't have a lot of podcast news uh, because we haven't actually released the last episode yet. Um, Dave's still been working on the audio for that. We decided to do two episodes relatively back-to-back, week-wise, so that we could sort of get back on track and start to get get more momentum going. So So chances are, uh, by the time you listen to this, you'll have seen episode 16 out for not too long. Um, But you you use new software this time, right, Dave? Yeah, that's right. I've... um... Uh, Adam uh, Watham gave me a recommendation for a piece of software called Reaper. Uh, it's it's um it's a paid it's paid it's commercial software. Uh, but you get I think you get an unlimited evaluation period. So I haven't paid for it yet. I use the evaluation period to process the latest episode. Um, and it took a bit of getting used to. Um, I don't think Audacity is completely simple, uh, but this was definitely a bit more in depth at times and um a couple of uh, things were m- more difficult than i'd hoped but i think i got the sound okay i think i can get it better and um, i think i think particularly think during a bit of the noise reduction uh if you're not if you're not careful with the noise reduction it can make people sound like they're underwater and I think there's a little bit of that on early on in this track but it should be it should be okay to, i'm going to publish it anyway because i've spent enough time on it but but the software is pretty good, and the nice thing is it didn't it didn't crash on me because uh, usually Audacity does crash at some point during the editing. So yeah, that's what I was wondering like, what the the big wins were for using this over Audacity because the, the Audacity stuff sound has been sounding pretty nice. Uh, so I didn't know what the big changes were, or um, you know, if it took you a long time to get get into it. What what uh, why do you li- do you like it better? Or why would you keep using it? And is it just that it's more stable, or do you have other reasons? Um, well, yeah, I think the stability. So the problems I've had with Audacity are um, it crashes regularly on my Linux machine, so I use it on the Mac anyway. And most of the time it's okay with the Mac. There are a couple of um, filters or the, the effects that don't work on a Mac, and... Um, there's one particular I can't remember which one it is. It doesn't even crash. It just it runs through, as in you get full progress bar, as in you know. I mean, some of our podcasts are quite long, and it takes quite a long time to pro do the processing, and it'll take thirty seconds to do something, but then it doesn't actually do anything. the The waveform hmm. stays exactly as it was, uh, and I can undo it, but it doesn't do anything. And I'm quite, I'm quite convinced I'm using the right settings and stuff because I've I've maxed things out and min things out and it doesn't make a difference and also mm. once i import the uh the intro and the outro the music sometimes when we're exporting that it gets distorted and i literally sit there doing it maybe five or six times and eventually i'll get one exported without any kind of distortion mm. And it's just a bit of a pain, so. Uh, and I'm always up for trying new tools and things. And this one's quite nice. Um, yeah. So one of the things it does is, um, when you're applying uh, effects and things, um, you kind of put in the effect over the top of the track. 
it's kind of like it's a layer on top of the track that you can turn on and off. In Audacity, when you put when you say you run a noise reduction effect, you're actually changing the waveform of the actual recorded track. Now you can you can undo it, but can you imagine if I you can imagine stacking a bunch of effects on top of a track and then deciding you don't want one in the middle? You can yeah. just take that one out, uh, mm-hmm. and at the end you render it all together. If you see what I mean. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of cool. Nice. Cool. So yeah, I'm still gonna get have to get used to it, but given that it didn't take a lot of time, uh, so I think I'll probably stick with it. Cool. Yeah, I, I know that you'd heard of some other tools that people suggested, like uh, Logic. I think it was Logic X or something like that. Yeah, that's right. That's another one. Um, I had a look at that, and I think it was quite expensive. I think it was like four hundred dollars or something. Uh, oh, <laughs> which is a bit bit much for me to spend on there. This kind of thing. I think yeah. this one's about sixty dollars. So mm, okay. Yeah, and the the audio is done now, so episode sixteen is pretty much ready to publish. I just need a title and a description, which is one of the hardest things I uh, I find because I've got to growth hack a little bit. I've got to we've got to do something to make it to try and grab grab listeners. If we uh, if there's anyone on the on the on the fence about listening, you know that title and the description could sell it. Yeah, totally. Speaking of which, I think in our last episode we we did a big push for getting some reviews. And I think I'd like to do that again. Uh, reviews help us a lot. We we get to know what you're thinking, what you like, what you don't like. Uh, you know, we it just helps us quite a bit. So if you are listening and like the podcast, please leave us a review. Let us know. Uh, let other people know too that other people like it and might get more people wanting to listen to us. So it would be yeah. super helpful. Yeah, without without trying to be too uh, sort of corny. If you've got a nice review for us, go leave it on iTunes. Uh, if you've got any bad feedback <laughs> for us, you really should come talk to us on the IRC channel or on Twitter or something, and uh, we'll see what we can do. Uh, without it, just means you don't tarnish our record permanently. You know, uh, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, our IRC channel actually has a pretty decent uh, group of people in there now. There's I don't know, like fifteen or twenty, I think. Yeah, and it's kind of nice just to. Uh, that's the first channel I go to in the morning and say good morning now. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the, I mean, definitely the Silex PHP channel is a little bit more quiet now. Uh, it's probably because I'm not in there mm-hmm. wasting everyone's time. Yeah, I I can tell there's a lot of people in different time zones because I come in when it's morning for me and everyone's done saying good morning to each other for like four hours, five hours. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of cool to see some people just kind of forming a little community in there. So if anyone's uh, interested in joining us, it's uh, Pound That Podcast on Freenode. The, uh, there's another IRC channel I've been in actually. Are you, are you in Code Rabbi channel? I am, yes. I idle in there. I don't. Yeah. I don't participate too much. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, it seems to be a little more chatty than some of the other channels that I'm in, uh, but not as chatty as say like PHP Mentoring or PHP Women. Both of those channels can get really, really um, distracting. But uh, the Code Rabbi channel has been pretty cool, and I think he started that right after he pushed out Thin the Herd. Um, but, uh, I've noticed that, uh, I, I don't know. I've, I've noticed a nice little group of people in there starting to talk about stuff too. So it's, it's a cool place to hang out too. So if you're on IRC and want another place to hang out, you could go check out Code Rabbi. Um, speaking of which we're sponsoring wisdom as the service or wisdom as a service world, world tour by Code Rabbi. So if anyone is in his path, make sure to stop by and tell him you heard about it from that podcast. Have you been to any of his Wisdom as a Tour stops yet? No, I haven't. Um, 
I mean, he did come to the UK and did a he did a bit of a tour, but I don't. I'm not sure if he made it sort of though towards the northeast, which is where I am. I know he um he was obviously down south. Uh, he made it across to Wales, mm. I think, and then up to Scotland. Uh, but I think he uh, I think he must have missed the north northeast of England. So maybe next time he's in the country. Yeah, yeah, he's been making it to a lot of user groups. Uh, he he went to three user groups within, uh, I think within 50 miles of me when he was out here for Midwest PHP. So he went to uh, Madison PHP and Milwaukee PHP and Rockford PHP, which is down in Illinois, but it's still only like an hour from here. So it was pretty, it's pretty crazy seeing how much, uh, or it's pretty uh, impressive to see how much uh, he's actually getting around to all of these different user groups and conferences and things. And he's really doing it <laughs> quite a lot of, uh, quite a lot of time and energy he's putting into that so does he have an end date is or is it the whole year um you know i don't know what the i think that he had planned at least 50 user groups or something along those lines and i think right. he said at midwest php he's done 36 or has 36 scheduled through july or august so um well, whatever the numbers was i or whatever the numbers were, I remember him saying that uh, he was ahead of schedule, like based on what he had sort of projected. Um, he's ahead of schedule, so he's pretty sure he's going to be able to make the mark for all of the people who sponsored him and everything that he, you know, guaranteed them when they sponsored mm -hmm. money that, you know, I will make it to at least this many conferences and this many user groups. And he says he's ahead, so that's that's pretty good. That's cool. Yeah. He actually posted, uh, well, I don't know if it was him. It might have been someone else. Someone posted uh, a blog article about uh, my my year of visibility or something along mm. those lines. Did you see that at all? I saw the post and I skim read it, uh, but didn't really yeah. give it too much uh, thought. Was it basically, it was, yeah. I remember seeing some figures about the sort of, um, the expenditure where conferences mm -hmm. weren't weren't covered or travel costs weren't covered and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I was thinking that I should probably do a better job at that as well. Um, I've been going to a lot of conferences and sometimes it's easy to say that they're you know paying your travel or paying your hotel stay or whatever, but you know there's time lost um and you know there's always extra expenses like if they don't cover the entire flight or if there's an extra hotel night or two um i don't know it'll be interesting to actually go back and or, or at least going forward for me to actually track that better you know i have my expenses that come out of my business account but i don't have them tracked in such a way that i can say oh yeah midwest php cost me this much hmm. and going to midcamp cost me this much um so i don't know i, I thought that was interesting to see the the kind of stats that they had for that and just the general idea that this person had gone out specifically to try and raise awareness, like do things for themselves to sort of, you know, help get them, their um, visibility name known in the community. Yeah. Ch changing their visibility. Um, I, I think she was actually, I, I didn't click into the other link, but I think she was actually making a point that she wanted to do that specifically so that she could, she could be a well-known name for speaking on things other than being a woman, hmm. <laughs> um, which I think that I didn't click the link, but I feel like I had read that post before. So I think it must have been the same person that I had read before. So yeah, it was it was interesting to see someone kind of talking about what a year of that looked like and 
I don't know. I feel like uh, Yitz's travels are going to be pretty interesting if he can like lay out exactly what all he ended up doing. It'd be kind of fun to see what th- what that would look like. Yeah, be nice to see a diary. Yep, but I think he's really busy and kind of backlogged. He, uh, he kind of fell off the thin the herd thing. I think he passed passed the baton on that to someone else. Um, so I, are you still following that at all? Or you, you you weren't ever in that group, but you were kind of following it a little bit. Yeah, I'd, I'd just seen it spring up, uh, but yeah, I didn't I didn't really follow it. And uh, I don't know. I, I've not really seen. I, I see a few people tweeting. I don't know if uh, people are still doing weigh-ins and things. And I know I know I'd heard they were doing that. Yeah, there's a couple of people who are doing just amazing. Yeah, like, good. Just super, super happy for them, um, and super jealous. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's all on me. I know. I I need. I, if I really wanted this to happen, I I probably could have made it happen, um, but it's it's been really difficult, and um, I think I think I'm about back down to maybe thirty percent of my loss. Like I, I bounced back up quite a bit, mm. which is kind of a bummer. Um, but I did something new uh, this week. I actually went to the gym and I worked with a trainer on doing some lifting. Cool. And ouch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, it's been a, a, a long running joke this week between Beck and I that the, the first night it was awesome. Uh, I, I thought it, you know, everything went great. Woke up the next morning and could barely move my right arm. Yeah. <laughs> and in fact, I still have a hard time straightening it. <laughs> and this is like three days later. Yeah. And so I thought, wow, must have overcompensated with that arm. And then the next day, the left arm started hurting. And yeah, so <laughs> it's uh, it's taken me like two or two or three days now to recover from the you know a twenty minute workout. So I I could tell something happened that night, and I'm looking forward to get back. I actually love that feeling. Uh, there's mm-hmm. it, like there's no. It, I love lifting weights in that that doing that kind of uh, putting your body under that kind of stress because it does. You can feel it for days uh, until mm-hmm. you start. It, the, you, the, the effect becomes less as you do it more and more. But I I, I don't mind doing running and cycling and things like that. But you, you can't be going in the gym and lifting heavy things. Yeah, I'm not strong at all, but I I do love that kind of thing. Yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to continuing down that path. I'm I've been working with him to try and come up with a schedule so that I can keep at it and see if I can make some other changes in my life. So I'm I'm looking forward to that, and yeah, I'm I'm nowhere near my than the herd goal, but I shot pretty high and failed pretty hard. But but that that's okay. Yeah. I uh. <laughs> I need to get back on the stationary bike. Did I tell you about what I was doing with the bike? I was um, mm, I, I started so. watching uh, Miami Vice from the very beginning. Uh, oh yeah, you did tell me that, and that was like my yeah. thing. So I could watch. That was what I did on the exercise bike. So as long as I was on the bike, mm-hmm. I could watch Miami Vice, and uh, it was quite good. But I found myself staying on there longer than I would have done <laughs> because I was enjoying uh, watching stuff. And I think the episodes run about forty minutes, so uh, you know it's quite a good one episode's quite a, a good workout because mm-hmm. I push myself quite hard when I'm on there and uh, so yeah I should really get on there uh, after I've done recording this podcast uh, nice. probably won't go down I'm drinking beer though so I probably won't go down too well yeah one of the benefits of recording at the afternoon time for you means evening time for me kids are in bed yeah I was going to mention that we're we're actually doing a 
slightly later podcast this this week. And actually, last week was was a later one as well. <laughs> so we're uh, we're actually having some weird lag today, and so I, hopefully we're not going to be talking over each other too much. I, I feel like I've jumped in a few times and found out you've been talking for thirty seconds. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll sort it out. Yeah, we'll sort it out in the editing. All right, you'll sort it out in the editing. Yeah, I I think we were due a bad episode of uh for editing anyway because the last few have been pretty good in terms of I've been removing noises rather than cutting conversations as such. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So um, conferences, uh, we didn't really get to talk about them last episode, and since then I've been to another one. Um. At least, I, or did I? Did we talk about Midwest PHP last? You mentioned last it because it was the we recorded the night before you were going. So, oh, uh, okay. Or the after, or even the afternoon before. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I went to uh, MidCamp last weekend, or the, this this last weekend, and it was a Drupal camp, which was uh, different for me because I haven't been to a Drupal conference before. Or not? They, they call them camps. And I, I actually asked them, asked someone, I'm like, so why what, why is it called a camp? Because I thought maybe there was something special about it, like they were doing sprints or something that was different. And the answer was basically because it's not as big as a con. And I thought that was interesting because this looked to be larger than most of the regional, most of the regional PHP conferences I've been to. Um, so yeah, they, they anything that I've ever been to Drupal related always seems to be bigger and grander than anything else I'm used to. And I, I've only been to uh, uh, the DrupalCon in Portland that you and I were at together. Uh, but I know seeing pictures of the other DrupalCons are all basically the same, like thousands of people. Huge, aren't they? Um, yeah, so it was really interesting to see this this little Drupal event that looked, you know, they sort of sort of felt like they were passing it off as just a, these camps is just sort of like, yeah, they're just little regional get-togethers. But it seemed to be pretty pretty massive. So I thought that was pretty cool to kind of get a good sense of what other communities are doing within the PHP community. Mm. I also really liked the diversity. There was a lot more um, a lot more gender balance at the Drupal camp as opposed to uh, some of the PHP conferences I've been to. That's interesting. Um, so that, that was, yeah, that was pretty nice. I thought that was pretty cool. So I know that they, they're demographic is a little different than like a PHP conference. Um, it includes a wider range of people anyway. Um, a lot more design, a lot more people who are uh, maybe just doing modules or something like that, that they're still written in PHP, but maybe they don't do a lot other than just working within the modules. Um, a lot of content people. So, so they cast a little wider net, so it makes sense that they can get more people to go to these things. But it was still nice to see everybody interacting and working together and everyone seemed to be having a good time. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it sounds cool. Where, so where was that? Uh, that was in Chicago. It was mid-camp. And the um, the theme this year, or maybe the theme last year, I'm not sure. I guess it, I think I read something that said this was the second year that they've done it, which kind of surprised me because it sort of felt like it had been around for a little longer, uh, was Mad Camp. And they uh, had an Alice in Wonderland theme. So everything was Alice in Wonderland theme. Uh, they actually had a track where all of the talks had had to have something to do with Alice in Wonderland in them. Um, I went to a uh, a panel talking about headless Drupal. Um, 
And so that was on the, the Wonderland theme as well. So it was on the Wonderland track, Alice in Wonderland track. And he had, um, he had, uh, a couple of plastic flamingos that he was handing to people. So if you wanted to talk, you had to get past the, the pink flamingo. So, um, it was pretty cool. They, they seemed like they had a lot of fun and, um, Beck and Luke came down with me. Uh, we went down the night before actually, um, just the couple of hours after we recorded the podcast. And so they hung around in Chicago for all day Friday. Uh, and then they actually came over for the social. It was kind of a family friendly uh, gathering after the first night. And so they came and hung out and we walked around for a little while. Luke was kind of tired though. So we had to head back pretty early. We were about a mile from our hotel. Um, so he, he got a daddy shoulder ride all the way back to the hotel that night. It was a lot of fun. Nice. Evelyn, uh, Evelyn won't stay on my shoulders that long anymore. Um, really? Yeah, because she gets pins and needles in her legs. Uh, mm. And the, I remember the first time it kind of happened to her, she was really panicking. Because <laughs> 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 yeah. it's a really hard thing to explain. You know, how do you sort of... Yeah. I mean, I don't even know why it happens. So I couldn't explain why. And of course, it's a very strange <laughs> feeling. Um, so now mm -hmm. uh, she'll go on my shoulders for maybe five minutes and then... Uh, then she asks to get down and do a bit of walking. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> nice. I, I don't think Luke has asked for that reason, at least not that he has articulated. Um, but he did this last time say that his legs were getting kind of getting kind of tired being up there. So by the time we got pretty close to the hotel, he wanted down to walk around. But but yeah, I hadn't really considered that, that I don't know if he's ever had that sensation before. <laughs> yeah. But it's a bit like say it's hard, hard for them uh it's hard for them to understand. And then, of course, they have to uh, articulate it to you as well. Uh, so, yeah, mm -hmm. Very strange thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we did that on on Friday. And the, the main reason that I went to MidCamp was because uh, the people that I've been working with at Palantir, uh, palantir.net, uh, they were heavily involved in organizing and sponsoring it. So um, I actually got to meet... I don't know, like a dozen people that I've been working with off and on for the last six months in person. And so I finally got to actually say hi to them. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, so now I can go back into hangouts and talk or not hangouts, uh, hip chat and chat with them. And I have a, I have more of a, a face with the name. So that was pretty fun. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, they 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 were all over the place too. I thought that was pretty cool. They they had a they had a booth there, but they had, there were a lot of people speaking. A lot of people were helping out with the conference. So uh, Palantir seems to be um, very much involved in the Drupal community, which I knew that, but I had never seen it in action other than seeing Larry, you know, representing Palantir in Drupal at uh, a lot of the big conferences. Yeah, it was it was cool. Yeah, it sounds like it was good. Yeah. Um. So what was the other conference? And the other conference was Midwest PHP, and that was two weeks ago. Ah, oh, yes, yeah. But I, I'm did did we talk about that last episode? I can't remember. I don't, but I don't, I think don't so. feel like we got to the conference talk that much. No. Um. Yeah, I wrote a pretty long blog post recapping that one. I actually wrote a pretty long blog blog post recapping uh, Midcamp as well, and it's really confusing that their names are so similar. <laughs> Midcamp 2015 and uh, Midwest PHP 2015. Um, it was pretty cool. Uh, I, I had a lot of fun. Beck and Luke came up for that as well. And um, Beth, uh, 
the the organizer of Madison PHP, and her husband and son Liam went up as well. So Luke and Liam got to play quite a bit. I think they went to like a couple a museum or or two together. So they they hung out for a couple of days, which was pretty fun. Uh, got to meet a bunch of people for the first time and saw some new people. I got to give my uh, bringing Sculpin to life talk, which was pretty nice. How did it go? Uh, it it went pretty well. It didn't get a lot of people. Um, the crowd wasn't very big, but I was going up against um, Aaron O'Neill's UX for developers talk, mm. which is pretty awesome. So I think a lot of people ended up going there. That was in the big room. So yeah, is that uh, the people that were there? Is that, is that, what's is that? that talk of Aaron's available online anywhere? Because you know, I'm not sure if it is. Um, I think I, I looked, tried to look for that at one point, but I don't know if it's been given anywhere where they were recording. Oh, shame, because I could do with a. So, uh, I kind of like those talks, I and mean, it's just uh, yeah, it's just out of my sort of um. The re- my reach of things that I'd usually read and attend, I'll go mm. out my way for. So I could do with being at a conference and uh, when uh, she's giving that talk. I think. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know when she's where else she's going to give it, but I, I I think I actually got to see it one time. I think I got to see it at ZenCon was the only time I've been able to to see it. Um, but we were laughing because uh, she said that she doesn't think she's ever seen me speak. And like I walked up to her and started the conversation by saying, I feel like we've been like opposite each other every time we've ever been at a conference together because <laughs> I, I, I feel like I've only seen her speak once as well. So... Um, I don't know. That's every once in a while you sort of pick up these little weird little trends where it's like, you know, I've never seen that person speak, but we've been at like ten conferences hmm. together, um, and oh, we've been opposite each other quite a bit too. So, um, so yeah, I I don't know if that's available online, but definitely if if it is available, uh, we we can look it up and put it in the show notes and see if we can can share share some love with Aaron. So, um, but sp- uh, going back to Midcamp, one of the people that um, I watched was uh, Frederick Mitchell. And he gave a talk on Grunt for Drupal, mm-hmm. like using Grunt for Drupal, um, which was, it was an interesting talk. I really liked it. He has a lot of energy. It was very cool. Um, I picked up a couple of things that, that I thought you might be interested in because you were asking about responsive design last week or last episode, right? That's right. Yes. Yeah. Um, and there was this concept rolling around in the back of my head that I couldn't really figure out how to say, um, but I remembered it now because he mentioned it. Uh, there's something called style tiles. Okay. Uh, if you look up style tiles, it's more um, the way that I I interpreted it was it's more about um, showing little bits of things like little like here's a chunk of this is what it should look like or this is how it should feel instead of giving like a whole design for what a page should look like you just give like a little tile to show this is what this sort of content should look like together. Um, and then there was also something called Pattern Lab, uh, which sounded like it was sort of similar. So I want to look into that a little bit more. But definitely, if you were, uh, if you're still exploring those things, I would check those out and see if those are of use to you. Yeah, well, style tiles and pattern. Pattern Lab. Pattern Lab. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And I'll, I'll get the the links to those in the show notes. Um, actually, I actually called those out in my Midwest or my Midcamp. Uh, review because they they really stood out for me. So, right. so uh, uh, Frederick Mitchell's talk was awesome about Grunt, uh, but I don't even really remember how he got into the topic of <laughs> these these other style tiles and 
in Pattern Lab. Uh, his his talk was all over the place because that's kind of what Grunt is. It, like it does all the things mm. for you. So he was talking about you know using it to you know install your modules and run Composer for you and you know precompile your CSS and minify your JavaScript and basically all of these things. And somewhere along the line, he started talking about these other uh, concepts, which really stood out for me. So um, as a non-Drupal user, I didn't really get a whole lot out of some of those talks, but there was enough uh, general purpose discussion too. like anyone who doesn't know Grunt or anyone who barely knows Grunt could go there and learn a little bit about it, hmm. even if you don't know why you would use it for Drupal. So um, I thought it was pretty cool. So I, I had an interesting perspective on the the Drupal talks because they were all sort of about Drupal, but not entirely. So I went to a bunch of talks that were just kind of around that. Um, but yeah, back to Midwest PHP. I won't talk about it too much longer because if anyone wants to read about it, I have a really long long post talking about it. But it was pretty cool. Uh, we got to I got to see Code Rabbi again. Um, saw him speak about getting off the freelance roller coaster, which was really uh, appropriate, I thought. But it was also funny because he's in the middle of a world tour. So he was pretty upfront about the fact that most of the things that he was talking about weren't things he could possibly do <laughs> while being gone for, mm. you know, a quarter of the year, you know, broken out. So uh, someone asked him that, too. He was like, well, how do you balance work and life? You know, <laughs> a lot of the stuff that you and I talk about. And, you know, he was pitching like 40 hour work weeks and don't, you know, you, know, you you set your boundaries for your clients and you work, you know, if you're done at seven o'clock on Friday night, you don't check your email or whatever. And, but here he is, you know, in the middle of these long things and not not able to uh, really follow his own guidelines. So he, he, he made sure to point that out that he's kind of not in a good position right now, but when he is on his game and doing the freelance stuff, mm. he sounds like he has a pretty well-oiled machine. So that was pretty cool to kind of hear him talk about that. Yeah, so I haven't seen any of his talks. Um, obviously, I've not been to any conferences he's been at, so but I would like to catch a couple of them, and something like that really appeals to me. Um, as you know, I'm gainfully employed, happily employed, but mm -hmm. now I've got the taste for this, uh, working from home, choosing my own hours. I don't think I could go back into an office anytime yeah. soon. So uh, in, the few, in the distant future, I'd probably start freelancing at some point, but... Mm -hmm. So I've uh, cool. got to got to keep my my eye out for these uh, tips and tricks as I go. Yeah, yeah, and you know it sort of felt like you you've read a bunch of the the books on marketing and selling and launching products, and you know that those are the same. They're kind of the same stories as the double your freelance rate and all of these things where everyone's like gung-ho on yeah you can do it too and um i don't know how much of that was was a part of this talk because it sort of had the same sort of feeling that i feel like i tried a lot of those things last year and had mixed success and just saying that if you do these things that'll help I, and i know that no one ever just comes out and says if you do these things you're you'll never go a day on a day without a client um but it sort of feels like that's what he's done mm. <laughs> and i feel like i've heard him say in as many words that he has never gone a day without some work um, and has been able to get 
work basically the entire time that he's ever been freelancing. Um, and I, I feel like that would be difficult for me. And like, even I, I just feel like it's easier. It sounds easier than it actually is when people are trying to, to tell you how to do these things. And it was really encouraging to hear him talk about it. But at the same time, I had that doubt in the back of my head that, you know, if my current gig went away tomorrow, um, which it can do, <laughs> uh, I, I really don't think that I would be able to get another client like the next day. Mm. Like, I don't think that that would happen. So I don't know. And a lot of it has to do with like setting, setting yourself up and, you know, scheduling and planning and all of that. But I planned a lot through December to get everything going for two brand new projects in January and then completely cut off another, you know, I told another client that I was working for come January 1st, I need to switch to these other two projects and both of them fell through. So I <laughs> I'd walked away from one client gig that was working really well for me um, because I had had these other two projects that I had previously planned to work on and it just never worked out. So I don't know. I, I feel like you can say that you do all these things and sort of plan it all out, but it doesn't really get you there always. No, of course. So, um, so yeah, so that was, that was Midwest PHP. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I got to talk with Jeremy, um, one of the co-organizers and I got to spend some time talking with Jonathan as well. Uh, they've, they've been doing pretty good. Uh, Midwest PHP has been a pretty fun conference. So I'm looking forward to seeing what next year looks like. Um, as far as future conferences, um, on my way to Midwest PHP, I had exactly one talk coming up. Uh, it was a tutorial at PHP Tech in May. And between then and now, um, I have uh, seven talks. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, between now and then. Um, I think it's seven talks. I, have, I think I have seven talks total. I ha um, I, I'm going to be at PHP Tour Luxembourg. I'm going to be speaking about Hawk, which would be pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll have to dust off my Hawk stuff and figure out how I can uh, show that with some of the new, like maybe I'll find some like way to show that with like Laravel and uh, maybe find a couple of other places to show how it can be a really good cross-platform cross API uh, authentication library. Um, I'm going to be giving a uh, event sourcing and CQRS tutorial with Broadway. Um, at PHP Day, along with a talk on PSR7. And uh, what's the other one? Uh, well, then, then there's Tech and, uh, and then DPC. DPC is the other one. So I have two, more, two conferences before Tech now, <laughs> so, uh, which it's like those came up really fast. And I'm like, well, you know, I, you know, I had my, you know, I was like, all right, well, Tech's not that bad. It's, you know, two and a half months out and I don't have a, I don't have anything between now and then. Now I have uh, three brand new talks. Uh, the Hawk talk is brand new. The PSR seven talk is brand new, and the three hour event sourcing tutorial is going to be brand new, <laughs> all before tech. So I'm, I think I'm going to have a very busy uh, month next month trying to prepare all the talks. Yeah, it sounds like you got um, your work it, out for you then. Yeah, so it's it's exciting, but it's also kind of like all of a sudden I'm stressed about it. So. Um, and I also got accepted to DPC, which is pretty awesome. And that was actually the first one that I think I heard about was um, I'm going to be giving uh, a full day of tutorials. I'm going to be giving a half day tutorial on event sourcing and CQRS. And then the second half of the day, 
is going to be on event sourcing and CQRS with Broadway. And I'm going to be doing both of those with Willem Jans. Uh, we're going to be teaming up and he's going to be assisting on those. So um, I thought I had like three months to work on those, but then uh, PHP Day selected the Broadway talk. So <laughs> uh, so I don't have as much time to, to get that ready, but it will be nice to have... Uh, it, it'll be nice to have that have a practice run of that down before mm. getting to DPC. So it'll be good to um, give a tutorial that I've already given been given before. Or, and I haven't really had that opportunity yet. I had my composer tutorial at PHP World last year, which is the first time I'd done a tutorial. And um, so that's the one I'm actually going to be giving at Tech as well. So I'll have two. Uh, that's the first time I'll have, been, I'll have given the same tutorial twice. Yeah. I've done a few talks twice, but never a tutorial. So. Are are you by chance planning on coming to any of these conferences? Um, I haven't planned on it, but um, things may change. So DPC is very appealing to me. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just a case of whether I can uh, sort things out logistically. Um, yeah. And financially. Well, uh, we'll see. Cool. All right. Well, if there are any listeners that are planning on going to any of these, let me know. Uh, let us know. We'd love to touch base with you in person if you're going to be there. And I uh, like, uh, I went uh, when I went to Benelux. I ended up meeting like three or four people who listened, and only one, I think only one of them I knew beforehand. Mm. So that was kind of cool. So if anyone's listening um, and you're going to attend those, uh, make sure and let us know so that we can try and seek you out if we're going to be there. Yeah. Speaking of which. Um... It's a long way out now, but uh, they have announced the dates, I think, for PHP Northwest uh, here in the UK. And um, one of our listeners we mentioned in the last episode, Mark Railton, uh, he's going to be back uh, or at least near the UK by then. And he's planning on attending, and um, me and him are planning on uh, going for a round of golf on the on the Sunday afternoon after the conference finishes. Uh, so... If anybody else would like to come to the first ever That Podcast Invitational, uh, just <laughs> drop us a tweet or even better, leave us a voicemail. And um, if you're going to be at PHP Northwest, we'll try and uh, fit something in. Uh, so that'd be pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. That is very cool. Yeah. It just means I've got to uh, somehow get to Manchester with my golf clubs and carry them around, however, <laughs> however that might be. Yeah. We'll see how that works out. Cool. I saw that Symphony Live London has uh, released their dates and call for papers now. So if anyone is interested in submitting talks to conferences in the UK, that's another one that will be uh, open pretty soon. So that'll be pretty cool. I'm a fan of Symphony Live. They're doing it at the same venue as last time, and it was really good. So yeah, I probably I, I think I might try and get down to attend that one if I can as well. Cool, nice. Um, so Beck's been wanting to travel. She wants to get back to France. <laughs> so um I, I sort of made a deal with her that if i don't get selected to speak at any uh conferences in paris and or london um that we will go there anyway so um <laughs> this year and uh it also is a little contingent on saving enough money to do so uh which uh we are actively working on doing but um yeah I, i'm hoping that I will be able to uh, at least get my ticket paid for <laughs> yeah. to uh, do some travel. So that'll be a lot of fun if we can, can do that again. And hopefully we'll be in a place where we can come visit you as well. Oh, yeah. And 
That'd be cool. We, we had a lot of fun last year, and Luke, Luke, Luke remembers, and he's always talking about Paris and London. Yeah. We said, do you remember? Do you remember when we met Dave and the and the, the two kids? And he's like, yeah, yeah. So he remembers those things. <laughs> oh, that's cool. We're hoping we can can uh, have have a chance to meet with you guys again sometime. Yeah. Well, we're actually uh, this fall. We're actually going to Paris uh, this year. Oh. For our uh, summer holidays. Uh, Unfortunately, we're not actually going to Paris. We're going to Disneyland Paris. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, uh, not quite the holiday uh, I'd hope for in terms of uh, some kind mm-hmm. of adult relaxation as well. But uh, I know the kids are going to love it. So, hey ho, cool. <laughs> yeah, I think I don't, we hadn't planned. To, I mean, we did have a sort of plan for the year was to uh, do a summer holiday in the New Forest, which is down south of England. Um, and then do something at the back end sort of October time, go to uh, find some sun and sand somewhere, probably, um, I don't know, somewhere like, somewhere in Spain or France or Greece. But um, I don't know how Rebecca got onto it, but uh, she saw, I'm, I th- she probably saw an advert on television, saw it once, saw it twice, and then just a little, her brain started ticking. And then uh, <laughs> the next thing we knew, we were on the, on the website looking at tickets and things. So that's all booked now. We're going in July. Um, so yes. the kids, kids are going to love it. Uh, so, yeah. But the nice thing is, that's all booked because of our budgeting and, f- and saving and and all that jazz. Uh, we we nice. rarely have booked a holiday this early. Uh, cool. Well, we're we're planning on going to Seattle mm-hmm. this year. Um, for uh, Pacific Northwest PHP is going to be happening at the middle of September ish area. So we're we're planning on going um, anyway, regardless of whether or not I get to speak there. Uh, so that we can run around and go back to the Space Needle and kind of stomp around our old neighborhood where, where Luke was born. So um, we're planning on doing that. And then we are also hoping to be able to go over to Europe sometime again this year. Um, so those are the two travel plans that we've made so far. Otherwise, we've been pretty, pretty, uh, we've done a pretty good job of fighting the urge to go places, um, which last year, I, as you remember, we were always driving everywhere all mm. the time and flying places, and um, we we haven't done as much of that this year. And I think that's helping our budgeting and money issues by curbing that a little bit. Um, but we are probably going to drive to North Dakota for at least two weeks, maybe three, in July. So I, we don't have anything planned in July, and that'll give us a chance to go spend some time with my my mom and dad and sister, and her new husband. Uh, up in up in North Dakota, so we haven't been we haven't been back there since I think October for my sister's wedding, and for a while there we were going like once every month or so. Yeah. So it's it's been a it's been a pretty pretty big change for us, but uh, it's it's been good to kind of hold back on that a little bit. So uh, definitely, we're gonna s- spend all our North Dakota time in one big lump. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just talking about traveling, so. We went to Disneyland Paris uh, for our honeymoon because uh, um, we already had Evelyn when we got married, so we couldn't do a sort of a more traditional honeymoon. So it was a, a I think they call it a family moon, and uh, <laughs> so we we kind of know what to expect while we're there. Um, it's not quite the same as uh, I've been to uh, Disney World in Florida, uh, obviously when I was much younger uh, as a kid, uh, but I, I remember it well enough to know that there's you know, a bit of a difference in the Paris one. And it's still quite good, but it's mm. not quite the scale of the Florida one. Yeah. But um, the last time we went on the train, so we got train down to London, then the Eurostar to Disneyland Paris, 
and we stayed in the hotel and I just kind of, we kind of felt a little bit trapped because we'd gone on the train. Um, and you're not in a built up area. It's just hotels in Disneyland. And, yeah. you know, like it was, I think it was about eight euros for a beer in the hotel, which was, you know, extortionate and, uh, three euros for a can of Coke from a, from a vending machine. And, um, it just seemed like we just couldn't get away from this sort of like extremely expensive commercial everything. So uh, this year we're going to, we're going to drive down, um, which leaves things a little bit more flexible for us, but also means we can take more things, uh, you know, food, drink as we need, uh, mm -hmm. toys to keep the kids entertained in the hotel room, uh, that kind of thing. So, yeah. And we can uh, probably do a little bit of uh, sightseeing, uh, either side of our uh, planned visit to Disneyland as well, but we'll have to sort something out for that. I'm not sure what we're going to do. Speaking of Disney, very loosely related, um, Star Wars, the new Star Wars is coming out this year, mm. and that's all. That's all Lucas slash Disney now, and um, Luke's been really getting into it because we've been sort of talking more about Star Wars, and he got some Star Wars pajamas before he had seen anything really. Um, and we got the new, uh, we got, there's a, there's a new Disney cartoon called Rebels. Yeah. Star Wars Rebels. Yeah. We, Have you seen any of that? Yeah. We watch it avidly. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So we, we, um, we don't have cable. Okay. So we can't get the the actual episodes as they come out or whatever. Um, but we did buy the movie that came out. There was a Spark of the Rebellion or something like yep. that that we watched. So, so we watched that and... We actually watched Star Wars Episode Four just this weekend, so that was that was pretty exciting. He was pretty happy about that. Did he enjoy it? And uh, he did. He didn't. He enjoyed it a lot. And um, I, I fast forward a couple of the scenes that were we thought might be a little too much mm -hmm. for him, and he seemed totally cool with that. Um, but it was kind of funny watching it and re realizing what else was ahead for him. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's just a lot of fun. So uh, he wanted to watch it. Like as soon as the the credits started, he's like, "Can we watch it again?" <laughs> so he was That's super cool. excited. Well, yeah, maybe maybe another day. Um, but yeah, so he's been wandering around the house in a black cape that my mom made for him, and he has some black rain boots. And so he says he's Darth Vader now. He walks awesome. around with the black cape and black rain boots. It's just funny to see how his attention shifts from one thing to another but oh did you see uh you see some of the pictures beck posts did you see the lightsaber he made yeah it was really good i saw it. that was that was excellent yeah he came up with that whole thing by himself he got a i think it was a, a paper towel um uh whatever those are called rolls like yep, the I know what you mean. cardboard roll yep and then um a toilet paper roll and taped them together <laughs> so that it was actually like longer yeah. than it was supposed to be and then um he took his red marker and made his his lightsaber red and yeah it was it was amazing he's just super excited about these things and mm. loving his creativity it's been a lot of fun <laughs> yeah well I mean, uh as you remember um rowan got into star wars when i showed him the trailer for the new film yeah uh, yep. and we've had the film on episode four a few times but uh they never seem to get through it is it just a bit too slow at times for them mm -hmm. um evie just wants to see leia all the time um <laughs> she loves leia yeah uh, and rowan uh 
he 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 he's too, I mean he's not too he's not too till next week so he's still quite young for things like that mm. but he's uh, again it's just a little bit too slow for him uh, but yeah. he, they love uh, they, we watch Star Wars Rebels it's on um, on a Saturday morning here for us mm-hmm. and uh, they're playing uh, Rowan plays being a Jedi or a stormtrooper quite a lot um, <laughs> do you do you have Builder Bear do you know what yep yeah yep. it probably started in your country and came to ours but uh, when Evie was born my uh, my co-workers bought her a uh, a Leia Builder Bear, which came with a little oh, like nice. cuddly lightsaber. Um, we recently got we recently got Rowan one of the same lightsabers, so they have one each. Oh, so okay. we quite often have uh, lightsaber fights. Uh, so right. yeah, they they're we, quite into Star Wars. They're, they're more into uh, something called Paw Patrol at the minute, which is god awful. Uh, have you seen that? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. no! I mean, it's just. It, they're crazy on it. I mean, Evie would watch it all day if I let her. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Luke's super into Octonauts right now. And we never got into Octonauts. We ne- we've seen it on, but never never been that bothered. Yeah, Octonauts is on Netflix. So yeah. you can see all of them from the beginning to the end. And Luke loves them. And it's just awesome. To- we, we, we like them too. They're pretty cool. They totally look like uh, the Octocat from GitHub as well, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they... they, they they do sort of have some of that aesthetic. Yeah. It's they are pretty cool, and I've I've actually gotten uh, scolded a few times by Luke because I'll I'll accidentally say, "Are you watching Octocats?" Mm. <laughs> and um, so he'll be like, "No, Octonauts, Dad. It's Octonauts." So. Yeah, I, <laughs> um, I wind DV up uh, with things like that, uh, just silly things, you know, getting the names of people wrong. Or getting their catchphrases yeah. wrong, uh, but it's really started to irritate her recently to the point where Rebecca's kind of asked me to stop doing it because I'm winding <laughs> her up a bit too much. But it, uh, I don't know. I bet I, I should stop really, but it, I don't know. Just making conversation. Yeah. Nice. I'm a I'm a really yeah. big Star Wars fan. Um, the new trailer is so amazing. I watch it. it <laughs> I've I've said, I've kind of kind of cut back a little bit. It was probably about once every two days. Now I'm now I'm every once a week uh, if you haven't seen it yet i suggest you really do go watch it it's really cool and i cannot i can really 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 highly recommend i can't recommend this enough the first time you're going to watch it especially if you're a star wars fan put your headphones on good good headphones and turn the volume up as high as you can uh, you can manage because the, it's the sound that made the trailer for me i thought it was really awesome yeah, so I've I've actually said a couple of times to Beck that when we've watched it, I feel like the first, I, not the first, but basically all of the trailer feels more like Star Wars than any part of either of the the prequels, any of the pre- prequels. Mm. Like it just feels like Star Wars. It looks like Star Wars. It doesn't have that plasticky look and feel that the prequels did. It feels like what Star Wars should be like. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm super excited to check it out too. I, I think it's going to be awesome. I listen to um, there's a podcast called As Yet Untitled by I think it's Adam Savage, the guy from um, MythBusters. Because mm. I, um, I, I haven't heard of he, before they did MythBusters. He worked in uh, you know movie set special effects and stuff, and mm-hmm. they talk about movies on there all the time. It's really cool, mm-hmm. and they talked about it, and they were saying how. You, how, you've just described it, sort of how it felt like the old, the older films. But he was saying he, they were saying that a lot of people see that, but then 
if you look closely and what listen closely, they have things from the new films as well. Like there's there's a bit where uh, there's a, a female character uh, gets on like a speeder bike, and the sound mm. of that is just like the sound of the podcasts that sort of and that's yeah. totally from the prequel films. There's no sound like that from the mm. original trilogy, and uh, I think there's going to be a really cool mix yeah. of both. There's going to be the stuff for the people who love the original trilogy, and then there's going to be stuff for people who... I mean, because the kids who watching Star Wars for the first time, like, five, six, seven years ago, or however long it was, they won't see the prequels like we do in terms of seeing them as a, an inferior trilogy, will mm-hmm. they? Or I don't think they will. Yeah. is that what, Would that yeah. be fair, do you think? I think, it, I think that might be true. I think that... Um, if, if Luke were to watch all six films right now, mm-hmm. he would not have the f- same kind of feelings we do about the, the separation. No. And I, I suspect he might actually like the prequels more. Mm. Because as much as we can say that we like Star Wars the way it was, it feels dated. Oh, yeah. It feels different. And there's something... I think there's something about the the modern feel to the 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 prequels that probably are easier to consume for people, mm. um, like especially young kids, because it's just brighter colors and everything is kind of shiny and you know there definitely isn't that post-apocalyptic everything's dirty and grainy and grainy yeah. that you get with the the original series or the original movies, so. So yeah, I don't know. I I feel like he probably wouldn't care which order we watch them in. Even <laughs> you know, I don't think he fully grasps that there's like an arc, and he probably never will. And yeah, like I, yeah, I don't think he would care at all. So I I still want him to see it in machete order. Um, I've I've told Beck about that a few times. <laughs> I think uh, I'm really hoping there's some marathons uh, coming out of the cinemas before with the build up mm-hmm. to the new film. So we can. Uh... And I think there should be, if there's anywhere to show in Machete Order, then I'll be going to see that, I think. Nice. Yeah. So did you watch, uh, okay, so this it's going to be like the, what we're going to have to call this uh, episode, something Star Wars related, like Attack of the Clones or something. <laughs> Sounds good. Gonna, I, I, uh, uh, so Beck's having annoyances with me because everything is called Clone Wars is what she told me. She's like, everything has the same name and it's true. Um, there's at least two clo- there's two clone wars cartoons series mm-hmm. uh there was the the old 2d one that was amazing yeah and then there's the new one which we've had luke watch a couple of those but that's pretty some of that's pretty violent pretty mm-hmm. uh it's it's just a, it's not what we want him to watch probably yet um and then beck decided one night she was going to put clone wars on for him just for fun and there was some like prequel movie or something. It was still the 3D characters. It still had Anakin and Obi Wan and whatever her name is, the little whatever her name was. Um, but it was like before they had met each other or something, right? And it was it was seemed very violent and over the top. So we we turned that one off. So there's at least three things now that could possibly show up as being called Clone Wars, and like Netflix and it's just kind of frustrating cuz <laughs> to try and talk about them I don't know how you even talk about them. Yeah, I mean I must admit, I'm a big Star Wars fan but I I lost sort of track about I mean 
the first uh, Clone Wars series was that was it something by the same people who did a show called Samurai Jack? Was it Samurai Jack? Yes, Samurai Jack. Yeah, so, the same, they did the yeah. Clone Wars, didn't they? As well, as that kind of style. Yeah, yeah, I remember those, yeah. um, but I didn't track anything thereafter until really Rebels, yep. and I started watching Rebels. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, just talk, just yeah. thinking about Star Wars and remembering the the build up to, especially the Phantom Menace. Um, there was a thing called um, Hyperspace, which was like a subscription service for StarWars.com uh, before Netflix and everything became a sort of content as a subscription service. Uh, mm-hmm. And I remember paying for subs- access to all kinds of materials and stuff. I just remember that that hype was amazing. Uh, I'm going to yeah. miss a lot of that hype because I've got a different uh, lifestyle now because I have kids and things to worry about. But mm-hmm. It's still going to be yeah. so cool. The The new movie is going to be awesome. I can't wait. Yeah. So the the thing I was going to, to mention about the, the Clone Wars stuff, is you, you were talking about like a, watching things in the right order mm-hmm. and like seeing them in like a marathon. And um, one of my favorite things about Clone Wars was how it tied into Revenge of the Sith. Uh, the way that that series ended, it was basically like, it it was it was really, I, I actually watched them back to back at one point and they like seamlessly flowed into each other in such a cool way that I thought that was pretty awesome. So if you've ever had a chance or if you ever get a chance to do that, that would be, uh, yeah. I would recommend it to see just how well those two go into each other. Um, but I have the first part of that Clone Wars series and there were two DVDs and kicking myself now for not getting the second part of that DVD because I can't find the second part of that series for anything less than $45. Right, really? It's just, it's ridiculous (laughs) that that you you could, I'm sure they were like $14 or something at target and i just didn't want to spend 14 dollars on a dvd at at that time and now you can't it's not on netflix it's not something you can get digitally it's just one of those dvds that's released that you have to pay out the nose for if you want it so i have the first half of that series and the second half of that series with this really cool flow into the the third movie Hmm. that i can't even get (laughs) so kind of a bummer what's interesting is that even considered canon anymore i don't think it is is it because did you see no, all the kerfuffle about the the expanded universe and things? So when Disney um, took over, they essentially cast aside uh, all material that wasn't the films. Oh, okay. And I mean, I'm talking everything like comic books, books, video games, um, hmm. because they want to go. You know, I think I did hear something yeah. about that, but I didn't know how far. It was because going. they wanted total flexibility for where they're going to go with the new movies and any other productions. And hmm. uh, and I was a bit bummed out about that. I mean, I I get it. Is I mean, it's not done any harm to the comic book world. There's so many different arcs in the Marvel, in the DC universe, isn't there? In terms of mm-hmm. which way the stories yeah. go, and I get I get that. I was just a bit, especially because there's always been this thing that. Um, all of the materials always Lucasfilm, you know, branded or and un, under that umbrella, and that there was always every, every you always heard about all the books, all the comic books, all the video games had to go through this process to make sure that 
you know, there was a continue continuity throughout everything and to do the best they can to make sure there weren't any weird discrepancies and things. And then, because, I mean, yeah. I've read, I, I don't know, I must have read maybe about 30 Star Wars paperbacks, no more, maybe about 40 to 50. <laughs> and, I mean, to be honest, one of them, they're not even that good. They're not very well written. But I enjoy them because they're Star Wars, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. And to kind of have that, yeah, all of that just... Oh uh, yeah, that doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. kind of a bit weird, <laughs> especially uh, especially so, some, some of the video games as well. Like I've really got fond memories of the video games, and there's some really cool characters come out of them. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a shame. So are they are they saying things like rebels then aren't canon, or is that canon now because that's there? That's canon now because it's theirs. Uh, anything from that point forward that was hmm. that Disney were putting out effectively was canon. Uh, as far as I know, anyway. I had so. So how I I feel like this impacts Clone Wars. Is, I I am starting to remember some of this now, and I thought that it was anything in the future, anything that happened after. Return of the Jedi, was wiped out. No, it might be, but I mean I just don't know, because there's okay. this. Part, I, I, you say that, but there's the whole expanded universe. In terms of the books, the video games, there's loads of that stuff that hadn't happened before Jedi. Right. And of course, there are things in those books and games that would affect the future or, mm-hmm. you know, affect people's potential yeah, backstories. And so you can't really just mm-hmm. say that we'll, we'll respect everything from this point forward or do you see what I mean? Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. No, I, I understand. But when, when I saw something about that, I thought that's how I interpreted yeah. it. Oh, it could so well be. I, I, I don't know. And that's why it didn't bother me that much. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. But if everything is gone except for the movies, then yeah, that's not, I, yeah, a little more frustrating. Well, yeah, it was at the time, but I don't feel bad about it. I'm I'm just like, I'm totally psyched that yeah. we're getting a new movie. Do you see what I mean? Like, I'm, <laughs> I yeah. would not, I would not have said, okay, if someone gave me the choice of we will keep the expanded universe to be as it is, and you don't get another movie, I'd have been like, get the <laughs> hell out of here. <laughs> you know, do what you like. Yeah. So, no, I'm sense. probably psyched. It's going to be so cool. Too, so. Yeah, it'd be, <laughs> I haven't done a, a midnight showing of a movie since um, Indiana Jones and Kingdom, is it Kingdom Crystal of the Crystal Skull? Skull? Yeah, that's the name of it. And I literally fell asleep and I haven't I haven't seen that movie in its I haven't seen it since I fell asleep about two thirds of the way through because mm-hmm. it was just not that good and I've not bothered yeah. to watch it <laughs> since and and I'm a big Indiana Jones fan as well I have a I've got an Indiana Jones replica leather jacket made by the same people who made the ones for the original <laughs> somewhere nice <laughs> yeah i I don't remember which movies we've seen at at midnight showings um i know we saw cloverfield at it as a midnight showing um but i don't remember which other movies i think maybe star wars i uh, not star uh, star trek i know mm-hmm. i had seen a couple of the, the the prequels midnight showings but that was a long time ago but um i think we saw star trek as a midnight showing and those are those are a lot of fun but yeah we haven't done any of those since luke was born <laughs> 
Well, that might be enough Star Wars for now. <laughs> At least we until maybe... the next episode. Yeah, until the next episode, we might get a we might get down to a regular Star Wars thing now, especially if if the kids are talking about it more. So <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, as soon as, um, we, as we get closer to the movie, then uh, it'll have to come out. Okay, I heard that uh, they're talking about releasing it sooner than Christmas time uh, because there have been so many spoilers, and yeah, that would be, be awesome. Idea. If we yeah, sooner the sooner better. we get it, the better. <laughs> so anyway, so maybe we'll be talking about it because we'll have seen it pretty soon, like in the next month yeah. or so. Probably not the next month or so, but May is a May is a big month for movies if they were going to try and do something crazy or something. Does they need to though? Yeah, they don't just they they don't need it. They don't need or. Uh, as far as I can tell, they don't need to do anything like that. They don't need to compete yeah. with anybody. They just do. They'll be able to do whatever the hell they like, and yeah. it'll be huge. Yep. Anyway, hopefully we'll be seeing it sometime in the next couple, next six months, seven months, eight months, however long it is, and then we'll be able to. Has Luke? Uh, has Luke? Wait. Luke been to the the cinema yet? He has actually. We've been to a couple of things. Um, the first movie we took him to in the theater was Lego Movie. Uh, we took him last year at Midwest PHP last year, actually. Yeah. Uh, after Midwest PHP, we went to the Mall of America and went to the Lego store. Um, and then went, uh, actually, I think we went to, went to the Lego store after we saw the Lego movie. So oh, that cool. was pretty fun. Um, but yeah, so we, we did that. And he's been to a few since then. Um, last, he, he'd been to a couple of movies because of um, the the theater did like a, uh, winter, it was either winter or summertime. I can't remember which. Uh, they did like a kids thing, like a dollar movie. You could go in and watch a movie with your kid. And it was either like stuff from the previous year that they were showing, just kind of like weird special matinees just for, for kids and parents to go watch mm. things. So he's been to a couple of those. Um, but yeah, it's been... Have, have any of your kids been... Uh, well, Rowan definitely not. Uh, but Evie's been mm-hmm. just the once, and but she's going again this Sunday. She's going to go see the new Cinderella film. Uh, oh, yeah. which looks totally awesome. I'm I'm not ashamed to admit, as a as a yeah. thirty well nearly thirty three year old male, uh, mm-hmm. it just looks stunning in terms of ev- yeah. visuals, and uh, I'm sure it's going to be awesome. And I'm sure Evie's just going to absolutely love it. Uh, but yeah, I mean. She, she, She's only been once, and um, obviously the first time going, it's kind of a long time to sit down for small children. Um, Rebecca, yeah. she went with Rebecca, and she was worried. Rebecca was worried about toilet stops, you know. But uh, mm-hmm. apparently, Rebecca said Evie just needed the toilet once halfway through, just super quick, really good, mm-hmm. straight back to a seat and sat down. And and Rebecca came out there kind of like feeling quite good about it all because. She was worried that Evie would be making noise and fidgeting, but she said Evie yeah. was really good. And she said, to be quite honest, there was some like some parents who would just let their kids do whatever they wanted to, and they were like, you know, running around on the in front of the screen. And uh, mm. so, yeah, if, if there are any parents out there who haven't taken their kids to the cinema, if your kids are reasonably well behaved, I don't think you've got anything to worry about. Just just go; you probably enjoy it. Yeah. Um. We almost went to see the Cinderella movie, actually. And um, Beck saw the trailer and was afraid that it might be too scary. Not, and I'll, I'll 
clarify that in a second. Um, so I'd be excited to hear what how the experience goes if, if she has fun and enjoys it. Um, we we found that Luke is not. He finds things to be scary that we don't understand, like not things that are like that we would consider scary. And um, we've been picking up that it's anytime some people are mean to other people, not mm-hmm. even so much that they're actively like hitting them. Like if you're talking about, you know, like Star Wars and shooting spaceships and, you know, laser battles and whatnot, he doesn't seem to be phased by that. But the types of things that he would be worried about would be like Darth Vader, you know, force choking someone or. Mm. Um, Understandably. <laughs> uh yeah, but I mean, but that's just, I mean, it's, yeah, okay, so that was an extreme example, but I was going to scale it all the way back to, say, uh, watching Thomas. Anytime someone is really mean to someone else, he gets, he starts mm. to cover his face and doesn't want to see it and doesn't want to hear it. Um, like, so, like, the diesels are always really naughty. And yeah. so, anytime the diesels are around, we can tell he gets kind of nervous and anxious. Yeah. It's and ang- sometimes, you know, it's just, it's anxiety it's and, and being nervous, isn't it, rather than being scared? Yeah, yeah. yeah Evie, so, um, Evie's exactly the same at the minute. Um, mm-hmm. We just had a virtually almost panic attacks. We were watching, uh, I don't know, it's one of the, it's a Toy Story, but I don't know which one it is. Um, are you familiar with the Toy Story films? Um, I think I've seen the first two, maybe the third. I haven't seen the last one yet, the fourth. Uh, I think it's four. All right, I have no idea which one this one was, but they were, uh, they were at a... Um, like a waste uh, management facility, and they were on this like conveyor belt, mm-hmm. and they were going to f- fall into a furnace or something. Yeah, and Evie was in was almost having a meltdown. Um, Rebecca was really like having to calm her down and say that things always work mm-hmm. out okay. Don't worry, they're going to get rescued and things like that. But yeah, she's yeah. been having the exact same sort of thing. Um, I watched. I mean, Rowan, he's like too young to understand. Uh, so I mean, I put things like The Hobbit on with him because mm-hmm. uh, it was a couple of weeks ago and on an afternoon it was just me and him and I mean that's mm-hmm. super violent in places in terms of you know axes swords and things he thought it was brilliant yeah. uh, but Evie, Evie would have <laughs> yeah. been scared stiff at that uh, mm-hmm. so yeah I totally understand that yeah. I'll, I will let you know how it goes she will have my my mum with them as well so that's extra mm-hmm. comfort uh, yeah. but yeah I'm sure there will be some yep. places in that I'm quite I'm not worried about it, but I'm quite sure that there will be some places in that film that make Evie uncomfortable. Yeah, but I can. I so that was I actually, know she'll come out of it wanting to see it again straight away. Yeah, um, that was actually when we ended up getting the the Star Wars Rebel movie. Uh, we were on our way back from Midwest THP and decided to uh, we were going to take uh, all of Monday off to drive back and take our time and. Um, we thought about going to watch the movie uh, in the theater then. And um, between the time we decided that and got home, we decided that we were just going to pick up uh, the Star Wars thing for him to watch instead because we figured that was going to be more, a little more, more, more friendly for him. Mm. So so I'm ex- I'd be excited to hear how it turns out. I will let you know. Cool. Um, so I had still had a couple of other things that I wanted to talk about. Uh, did you want to move on from our movie talk? <laughs> yeah, sure. Go. Um, so there's some some things that I've been working on that I've been lo- been somewhat loosely involved in. And did you see Chris Tankersley's new logo, like the colorized version? 
I have seen have it now. Seen yes, that? I hadn't seen it until you yes. showed me. Yeah, so he, he's he's had this logo for a, a while, and his um, Twitter avatar had it, and it was like it was like it, it was drawn on a sticky, I think. So it was like yellow, and then it was like hand drawn by Jeremy Michala. Hmm. And um, he reached out to me and said, "Hey, do you think your wife would be interested in colorizing it for me?" So Beck cleaned it up. And she colorized it, and she gave him like five or six different options for different colors to choose. And this was the color scheme that he liked. So, um, and he had stickers. He had stickers at Midwest PHP. So I now have, well, somewhere behind me here, I actually have stickers. So he's been going all out. He's updated his uh, Twitter avatar and a couple of other places. He has his new thing. So that was kind of cool. Um, I was involved in that. I sort of facilitated it just because. He contacted me, and I did the vectorizing, but that was pretty much just clicking six or seven buttons in Illustrator to mm. make it vectors once Beck was done with it. Um, but So yeah, that was a lot of fun. So that was kind of cool. And I I think there's another one as well, but I'm not going to talk about that yet. I'll have to ask him if I can talk about the other one as well. Um, and we have the stack OSS art piece. Um, so that's out. Uh, we I think the first... The, la- the very first podcast we did this year, we talked about Twig. Um, and then since then, Stack came out. But that's been almost a month now, a month and a half since Stack came out. So that's out. And Beck's actually working on a new piece. Um, and I can see it. I don't know. It's actually on this this wall over here. So I, I get I get the, the pleasure of seeing all of her artwork all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's just on different walls. We're running out of wall space down here because I, I took all the wall space for whiteboards. <laughs> so she's she's now going up the stairs um, on the walls on the stairs to go to get some more art. So uh, the next piece, uh, which I'm not going to talk about now, but we'll, we'll definitely have that released by the time we release this episode. So I guess we can talk about it. But um, she did Fig. Oh, cool. Uh, so, she, yeah, so she did Fig and it's pretty awesome. So. We're going to have that up uh, this coming Monday, uh, which will be the 30th of March, I guess. So we're going to launch the prints for that. And I still owe her a website that will let us be able to sell the originals. (laughs) Um, So we want to have the original paintings that people can buy if they want to. So hopefully there'll be some people that want those. Um, And yeah, so that'll be pretty cool. Um, I'm pretty excited about the OSS art thing. Um, Jonathan from Midwest PHP actually bought one each of the Sculpin print and Twig and Stack and gave them away as conference con- conference giveaway. So that was pretty cool. That is cool. Um, yeah, he, he bought the big ones, so people went away with those. And so he's been really cool and supportive on that. We've had a couple of other sales too, so people are starting to see them and pick, you know, pick up the idea and hmm. kind of think they're cool. So it's pretty nice. It's pretty neat. Um, as far as Sculpin goes, um, it was a blog post a little while ago. Um, a lot of people asked me how to publish Sculpin blogs to GitHub, and there really is no super easy way just yet. Um, it's going to be really difficult for Sculpin to ever really compete with Jekyll because Jekyll is just built into GitHub for GitHub pages, but there are some workarounds. And Wooter, Wooter J um, published a, an article on how... Uh, to use Travis to build a Sculpin blog and publish it to GitHub pages. And I think Raphael Domes also was talking about publishing something along those lines as well, because 
that was one of the things that he was working on was trying to find a way to make uh, put tra uh, put Travis to work to publish uh, his sculpin site to GitHub pages. Yeah, just just on that, I've, I've been uh, fiddling with Jenkins all day today. It's been one of those days where you know you kind of have to make a change, uh, build mm -hmm. now, and see how it runs uh, and fails, yeah. and so on and so forth. But um, every, I'm always amazed by what you can make Jenkins do if you just put a bit of time into it. So it is a really good bit of software, despite it's kind of grisly. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I should really put a couple yeah. of uh, blog posts out about some things, like yeah. like uh, running cron jobs from Jenkins. It's really cool. Um, I've got a contractor mm. working with me at the minute. He suggested this, and it's so rather than, especially in a, so assuming, if you were to say deploying your application to maybe three or four web servers, but you wanted to run some scheduled tasks, one of the things you've got to do is install cron jobs on one of those servers, and only one server's running. You know, you don't want to email people from every server every day. Right. But the thing with crons are they're so sort of antiquated, antic, antic, just so old. Antiquated. Yeah, antiquated, mm. yeah. Uh, in terms of like uh, knowing when something's run, getting the right emails when something has or hasn't run, that kind of thing. Um, but Jenkins has all those kind of things built in. Uh, so I've got Jenkins jobs set up to use Ansible to run the task on the server. So, of course, and then Jenkins, of course, records the log of the output. It pings Slack when it's successful, pings Slack when it's failed, you know. I mean, I know you can do this with scripts mm -hmm. and things, but it's it's extra work, really, when Jenkins is just sat right. there doing it, that kind of thing mm -hmm. all day, every day for you. It's kind of cool. But I'll get into that. I should really write a blog post on that. Cause... Nice. Yeah. So um, I'm going to talk about these things now because uh, it sort of relates to that. Um, we've been using uh, uh, Rescue, BCC Rescue Bundle in a project. And sort of as far as like tasks running at different times and things like that, There's a schedule. they have a scheduled queue. Um, but there's really weird things about the way that rescue works that we didn't consider um there's there's issues with uh cache for example like if you if you're using symphony cache if you don't restart the workers you might end up using an older cache version yep that um and the reason is that there's certain there's certain metadata inside the message itself that tells you where to look for things. Um, like it embeds the kernel root directory inside the the queued message. Okay. Which means, I think, um, you can't run that worker. You can't run a worker to consume those messages unless the worker is configured exactly to have, or configured to have the files in the exact same places as the thing that pushed it onto the stack or pushed it onto the queue. Mm. It, it seems kind of iffy to me. It does, yeah. <laughs> uh, because, uh, and, and even, so so let's say you misconfigure the, 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 the original application to begin with and set the wrong kernel directory. Well, those messages all have the wrong kernel directory into them. 
So even if you go now and change the configuration to be correct, you still have a queue full of previously existing jobs that can't be processed no matter how many times you try to reprocess them because they have the wrong configuration in them. It's, I don't know, it's, I, I feel like, I don't, I feel like that's just bad. And I don't know if that's a, a common problem for queues or if that's how rescue bundle was programmed or if that's how uh, resc works. I don't know. Do you, do you, have you used those or have you heard of those sorts of issues? I haven't heard of them. I mean, to be honest, I looked at it when I was looking for this kind of thing. Um, and I'm actually more familiar with it from the the Rails and Ruby side of things than I am. I've mm -hmm. never worked with it in PHP. Okay. But I wasn't aware of anything like that. I have no, I have no idea about that kind of thing. I mean, I've just always okay. gone with the put as little as possible onto the queue to get the job done, and that doesn't sound mm -hmm. like it's doing that. Yeah, so, yeah, it was weird. <laughs> uh, there was this weird bug that the the client had that they were coming back to us saying what's you know this we're getting these failed jobs repeatedly um and it didn't help matters that we had just enabled like a, a retry mm. method <laughs> so that it would like if it failed it would try again after a second then after 10 seconds and then after a minute and then after an hour yeah so um like it just started to like accumulate that we had all of these tasks that were always running and always failing and we, it was just, it was really bizarre. And, um, the, the problem wasn't necessarily with the code. It was just the assumptions that were made both by us and by them. And it was the, the deployment process that they had in place. They were doing some sort of symlink thing mm -hmm. to current or whatever. But when the jobs were getting pushed onto the stack, the jobs were getting pushed on, uh, using real path on the directory that they were in at the time. So, uh, the the real path, not the um, the symlink path, was what was getting stored in the jobs. Yeah. So it was just a really weird thing that <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the, I f I feel like the the rescue bundle that we've been using has been buggy and has we has weird little things like that that we just don't understand why why how it's set up how it's working. And when we do look at the code, we kind of scratch our head, and <laughs> um, yeah. it makes makes me wish we could use something like uh, Bernard. I think Bernard seems like that must have been. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know why we weren't able to use Bernard at the time. I think we were maybe dictated so, that we had to use Resk. So does that that, uh, that bundle use the the just the regular Chris Bolt Chris is it Chris Bolton's PHP Resk uh, package underneath? Um, I'm not sure. I can't remember if that's what it would use underneath. Because essentially, if, if it's trying to use the part. the workers scripts that come with that, is it trying? Is it literally getting the path to the kernel out of the message and then to instantiate a kernel? Yeah. Oh god. Oh, yeah. God, it boots. That's disgusting. It, it, <laughs> yeah. It boots the kernel. It looks for the kernel directory and then it finds the kernel by actually doing a find. Uh, a, a symphony finder call on the kernel directory in the job right to find where where app.php or kernel.php is located and then it instantiates it that yeah. way um which we wanted we needed kernel aware jobs because we we wanted to have some some sort of system to be able to use the services within the container absolutely to, to but do it. It. it's like 
use it, it's that don't use that third party you know job runner use write your own job runner that yeah 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 so i mean that's what we were considering but you know it's at that point we're like well we got to get this fixed so we we um i think we were able to specify the kernel i think we specified the kernel root directory um on on the command line or something like that when it was actually run so that regardless of what right that one, I get it, that, basically yeah. override the the default behavior of looking for it in the, the real path of the directory yeah so that that was that was kind of yesterday and we're not really sure how much impact that has had how long that's been going on because i mean that just seems like a long running that could that's something that could be easily uh missed for a very long time mm. and if you've fixed code and deploy the fix to the code but the jobs are all queued pointing to the old code and in those cases that code still exists um then you would have problems i think in this case they had deployed a new tag and the old um the the pre like the previous version of the um the jobs that were in the stack uh wasn't there anymore or something like they'd removed that version of the code from the releases directory um, and that kind of started it and i don't know it's kind of it's just it's something that probably has been biting us for a while and we just didn't realize it um so yeah so that, that was my recent recent looking into uh job queues using weird runners um so other sculpin things uh someone released a restructured text bundle for sculpin which is kind of cool they um there's I think Kayla is actually going to be working on a common mark uh, bundle to start releasing more parsers uh, with Sculpin 2. So that'd be kind of cool just to get more people doing that. Uh, Sculpin 3, I want to start using, um, opening the door for people to use other template languages than Twig. Um, I think Plates and Blade are probably the two that would probably have the most uh, interest right now for people. Um, get some people who are Laravel users who want a static site generator. You know, they, they're more comfortable with Blade or whatever. They can try that. Uh, but that'll be a little later. But it is nice to see other people are starting to, to write some of these other bundles. Mm. Um, and Chris Tankersley mentioned him earlier. Uh, he's launching Shoal Hosting. Did you see anything on him talking about that yet? I Yeah, a few weeks ago he mentioned it in the um, in the channel, the team channel. Yeah, that's going to be um, uh, hosted Sculpin. So mm. that'll be kind of cool to see how that works out. Uh, sounds like he's got quite a bit of it done already. I think he said he was hosting two two of his Sculpin sites are already hosted through that platform. Oh, cool. So, um, and it sounds pretty intensive. Like, it sounds like he has, like, containers for everything. Um, so everybody's uh, website is its own container or something. Um the only thing that he's still working on, I guess, is how he's going to handle the SSL part uh, because people are going to want to be able to have SSL-enabled websites at some point. Yeah. So, but yeah, if anyone's interested in that, um, if you're interested in Sculpin and or checking out what a hosted Sculpin solution might look like, uh, check out Shoal Hosting by Chris Tankersley, and we'll put that in the show notes. Um, I have some projects that I found recently. Not so recently, but we were doing a lot of stuff with PHP, uh, PHP unit performance. And mm-hmm. uh, someone mentioned, uh, actually it was Ben Banesh mentioned uh, John Kerry's PHP unit speed trap extension. 
Okay. Um, have you, have you seen that? I believe I've um, seen it, but I can't remember what it does. Yeah, I think it keeps it does something to make sure that uh, any of the the jobs that are uh, taking too long. Um, actually, I don't. You know what? I have notes for both of these here. I don't remember which notes were, were specifically for speed trap. Um, What's the other one then? Uh, the other one is uh, PHP unit clever and smart. Um, and that one uh, will run fails all fast. of your jobs. Yep, it fails fast um, and it inverts them. So it'll run the jobs all the way through. If PHP unit fails for some reason, then when you rerun it again, it'll always run tests that have never run before first. Um, otherwise, it will um, uh, try to do the, the ones that um, fail first. So it's pretty. That's pretty nice. Hmm. Um, speed trap is specifically to report uh, which which tests are slow running. So right. yep. um, it you can set some thresholds and things like that. So if you're not necessarily uh, if we were looking at it from two things, one we had really slow tests and we were curious about which ones were the slowest, but then we were also running into the case where we had really slow tests and, you know, 80% of the way through the test, something would crash <laughs> and that we would lose all of our failed tests. So we wanted to be able to run the failed test sooner um, rather than having to go through the whole test suite again to get to the ones that uh, weren't there. So, uh, so we had two use cases for that. And I don't know if we actually deployed either of them, but they kind of, I put them on my back burner as things that I would want to look at down the line if they were things that, that, uh, I could use later. Hmm. So I thought those were kind of cool. Did you see any cool projects in the last week? Not that I can think of. I've had my head in the sand. Do you know? Did I, did I tell you about this uh, sort of grant thing we're trying to uh, at work? I think you might have might have. Yeah, so it's it. this thing called Innovate something or other, and basically they they provide grants for people trying. They I try and identify a problem with something, and then they say we've got so much money for an innovative solution to this. And like, um, it was kind of like when I first saw it, I thought it was a bit of a slap in the face. I was like, well, you know, the thing you're complaining about is what we're trying to achieve, you know? <laughs> and uh, I think they said 200 grand, um, which sounds like a lot of money, you know, it would be if it was just me giving, but 200 grand isn't a lot of money to try and get a company off the ground. And they were basically saying, we want what childcare that occurred at UK is, but better. Here's 200 grand. And I was like, well, Hang on a minute. We've we've been doing this for six years. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to get much better than us in with two hundred grand in six months. But we made some inquiries, and uh, it's not only open to new companies and things. So they said we could we could apply for the grant for the grant on those sort of on the premise that we feel like we've done we've we've done ninety percent of what they're asking. So can we have the money to try and you know, get to the level that you'd like us to be at. Mm. Uh, so I've been helping put together the sort of proposal, the application for this grant money, and it's so, so awful. And it, I mean, it requires you to submit a Gantt chart, and so, and and that's just, I haven't done that kind of thing forever. You know, mm -hmm. I've I've almost had yeah. to plan out six months worth of work. Now I I, I barely know what I'm doing next week usually. <laughs> you know, to put that yeah. kind of estimations on that much work up front, a horrible business. I'm glad I don't have to do that anymore, mm -hmm. but yeah. 
So that's really mm. kept me tied up for quite a while there in the last week. I've not really done much in terms of watching and checking new stuff out. I've just been busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, my, my work for the last month has been... I, I, I sort of feel like I've been a lone wolf again, mm. and I'm not enjoying it. Um, I've been working on this doctrine problem. Uh, basically spun out a independent package from the client's work and uh, with the expectation and hope that they are going to allow us to open source it. Um, so I've been doing that, and it's been a lot of work. Like, I would say over 100 hours just on this this one small section of the code. Mm. And for I'm starting to feel really out of touch with the team. And the, the scrum in the morning is basically, yeah, I'm still working on that thing. And then it doesn't matter what anyone else is talking about because I have nothing to do with it. Mm. Um, and I don't know, I, I'm, I'm finding it to be an interesting place to be in because it would otherwise be a really fun project if I just had all the time in the world to work on this thing to make it right and make it good and follow all these bugs. But I'm finding that every bug that I run into now or every you know, roadblock that I hit, I'm just frustrated because it means I'm that much further away from being able to do the next thing with people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which, which is really interesting. I, I, uh, I'm, I, I have to say I'm surprised by that because this is what I've done for a long time, you know, prior to the last year was, you know, do, doing stuff on my own off, off in nowhere land. And I'm not enjoying it this year. That's, um, I mean, it's great. It's it's been a fun, interesting project, but I'm also really ready for it, that part of it to be over, so that I can work on something else fresh. Yeah. So, and I think it's had a big impact on my mood. I don't, know. <laughs> I I don't know if you've picked that up in talking to me or not, but I feel Beck asked me today, "Are you okay?" <laughs> because uh, I just have been short and kind of crabby with her and with Luke and. Um, it's been it's been it's been interesting to see that sort of play out. Mm. I I haven't picked up on it. You've been you've you've mm. seemed quieter, mm-hmm. but you you haven't seemed crabby, or with me. Uh, but then you know I, I we don't really speak that often. Uh, yeah, it's, it's so easier to be, get crabby with your family who are sort of yeah <laughs> in and around it your really feet is. all day. Uh, well, speaking of that, actually, uh, my. Uh, <laughs> my 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 workspace has been encroached upon by both Luke and Beck quite a bit. Um, I'm super excited. Beck's been doing more painting in the last month than she has been able to in a long time. Um, she's finally uh, down here at her desk uh, painting. At least you know, at first it was like once a week, twice a week, whatever. You know, we haven't been here that long, but you know, she's with Luke most of the time, and um, he's stopped taking naps. Um, and naps were kind of her relaxing time where she could just kind of chill mm. for a little while um, and do her her stuff. Um, but now she, he's not taking naps anymore, so he keeps her busy all the time. So she sort of decided to just start painting. <laughs> you know, if, if you know she has to do something and she doesn't like being on the the laptop working on her, you know, finances mm. and checking on things or whatever, um, she'd rather be painting or something around him. So. They've been down here doing that a lot more, and I've been finding that that's been very hard for me to stay focused, and I think that's helping to contribute to my 
my antsiness and my crabbiness is there. They're down here and talking. And I feel bad because Luke is just such a joy. <laughs> and, you know, it's really great that, that Beck wants to come down and paint now, but it makes me want to go upstairs and, and be able to focus and do that. So I'll, I did that actually today. And as soon as I got up to go upstairs, Luke said, Daddy, are you going to come down again? When will you come back? And mm. he just wants to, he, he doesn't need me, but he wants to know why I'm up there and why I left my desk and makes me feel bad. <laughs> no, I get that. Uh, yeah. Even just having to explain to Rowan that I have to work, it's hard for him to understand, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Evie pretty much gets it now, uh, you know, yeah. and especially in our house, cause I work on, cause we're three stories, uh, it helps mm -hmm. that I work on the top floor and they spend most of the time on the ground floor. Uh, but yeah, I totally get that. I, I, I went to yeah. a coffee shop this morning just to get out of the house. I, I mean, the kids went home, but, uh, just to, for change of scenery, uh, Mm -hmm. so i mean i guess there's always that option if you needed to you know get out of the house yeah. go to a coffee shop or something yeah problem is when i yeah. go to the coffee shop i end up getting a full english breakfast and uh that doesn't help with the uh <laughs> with the yeah. fat loss uh, yeah i i, I hear them upstairs so they must be back now um just before uh just before we recorded i was trying to get a bunch of work done and I was upstairs still and they were running around and Luke, Luke was climbing on me and I was feeling kind of, I was get, I was getting very excited that they were going to leave. And then uh, he looked at me and said, daddy, um, you can come with us if you want to. And I said, oh buddy, I'd love to. He said, well, you can come with us if you're done with work now. And I just, I was like, I just wanted to go with them. <laughs> but at the same time, I wanted them to leave. It's a really, really uh, hard place to be in. So, mm -hmm. um, it it was easier when downstairs was my place. You know, this was where I was, and um, Beck didn't come down here very much, so Luke wasn't down here very much. Or I could send him back upstairs to go be my mom. But if she's down here painting and he's down here, I <laughs> I can't send him to the, the the first floor or the third floor or whatever. It's like this is where he is now. So yeah, um, but it's been fun. I uh, Beck actually has a show in two or three weeks i think um she has her first show in first big solo ish show in madison so um, she's getting a bunch of pieces done for that and she still managed to get the fig piece done so she's she's been doing a lot of painting so i'm, I'm pretty excited for her ah cool yeah look forward um, to seeing the fig piece yeah um it's pretty it's pretty cool uh it's, i I've, I've been liking it and she has a another I don't know, she probably has like 10 more uh, names written down of things that she wants to work on and it'll be fun. So mm. uh, you'll, you will get to see them in three days, four days. <laughs> okay. Uh, when we post, when we post them. So sweet. Well, we've been talking for quite a while now, so I don't know. Do you, I don't really have a whole lot more to work, talk about. Um, no, I, I mean, I, I was winging all of this. I, d I haven't even got any notes, so uh, I shall be, be more prepared <laughs> yeah. next time. Nice. Yeah, it's all right. It, it's, it's been a short time since our last episode, and there was a lot of just random catching up that we needed to do anyway. Yeah, well, we never struggle and... to find things to talk about, do we? Nope. Nope. All right. Well, um, I guess we can probably call it then. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. thanks for... Uh, Thanks for listening, and thanks to you both, and uh, 
See yeah. you next time. All right. I guess we'll call this one a wrap. You've been listening to That Podcast with Bo and Dave. You can find Bo on Twitter and Google Plus at Bo Simonson and Dave on Twitter at Dave Development. You can subscribe to this podcast and review it on iTunes. If you'd like to review us but don't feel like we've earned five stars, email us so that we can talk about your issues. You can also subscribe to this podcast with RSS from our website, thatpodcast.io. From our website, you can also sign up for our newsletter to get super secret extra content from Bo and Dave sent directly to your inbox. Like the music? You can thank Gorillo for allowing us to sample the track Dust Kingdom for our intro and outro. You can find Dust Kingdom and other tracks by Grillo at grillo.bandcamp.com, spelled G-R-I-L-L-O.